Welcome back. Episode seven of the Combat Review. Look at us go. Um, I don't I don't have anything specific. I don't have anything specific, but um I didn't watch AEW. Uh I'll probably watch that tonight. Um I didn't watch Raw because I didn't have it in me. Um, and obviously we've got uh, UFC 256 this weekend. So I'll watch that and I'll be with you on Sunday or Monday uh, with an update on that. But obviously there's quite a bit going on in the news at the moment. And obviously Anthony Joshua is fighting this weekend, which oh, I can't wait for. Um, so maybe we'll have a little bit of a chat around that and uh, and see where we go from there. So yeah, Anthony Joshua is fighting Pulev this weekend. Um, it's kind of snuck up on us, pandemic and all that fun. Um, but yes, Kubrat Pulev, um, he is fighting at the SSC Arena in London, England, with no fans, and he'll be defending his WBA, IBF, WBO, and IBO heavyweight title. Why does boxing have so many belts? It's just a mess, isn't it? Um, so the last time we saw Joshua, he obviously beat Andy Ruiz uh, by unanimous decision following uh, his. TKO loss in round seven back in the 1st of June 2019. So he fought in Madison Square Garden, got stopped in the seventh round against Andy Ruiz, and then he avenged it six months later in uh, Saudi Arabia. So this will be the first time that we've seen him in a year, um, and I'll be fighting Pulev. Now, Pulev is... He's got a good record, and he's beat some good people, but Unless you're Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, or Anthony Joshua, you're kind of a tin can. And I mean that in the nicest possible way because I don't, I don't, he's not a tin can. He's obviously a very polished boxer with a very, very good record. I mean, going down the people he's beaten, he's obviously beaten Ter- Derek Chisora. Um, he's beaten Huey Fury. He's beaten Kevin Johnson. He's beaten Maurice Harris. He's beaten some half decent boxers, but they're not they're not the elite. He's never really beat the elite. Even Derek Chisora is not the elite. There's kind of a a gatekeeper or stepping stones, and then there's the top. So there's basically the top three, and then everyone else. And he's part of the everyone else gang. He might be a little bit higher up in the everyone else gang but he's still part of the everyone else gang. So um, not expecting massive things from Pulev. I'd expect uh, Anthony Joshua to to win. Most likely a decision, I'd imagine. I mean, it's hard for me. I don't want to shit on boxing, but when it comes to heavyweight boxing, it's, it's not what it used to be back in the old days with Ali and Tyson and Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield. Um but that's kind of that's it's kind of had a resurgence the last two or three years because of Fury, Wilder, and Joshua. The thing that frustrates me about boxing is that they don't they don't fight like Joshua should have fought Fury by now. You know that should have already happened. That fight should have happened. And at the moment, that fight's nowhere to be seen. Um, Fury obviously came off the the loss. Well, sorry, the draw to Wilder which he actually won. I've yet to find someone that doesn't think he didn't. Um, he then obviously emphatically beat Wilder. Immediately, that's when he should have got the Joshua fight. There's no other reason to do that. He shouldn't fight Wilder again. No one wants to see that. He beat him so emphatically, and he beat him the first time. 
you know, there's 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 nothing to be gained by watching Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder. But that Anthony Joshua fight is the fight to make. And the only reason I imagine it's not been made is because Joshua's scared of it happening. Um, and that's the thing I don't like about boxing. That we had the same with Mayweather and Pacquiao. We ended up getting that fight about six years after we should have got it. And it was dreadful. And that's most likely what's going to happen with Joshua and Fury. Um, yeah, and that's my little bugbear with heavyweight boxing. But nonetheless, after that little tangent, Anthony Joshua is fighting this weekend. Um, I will watch it. Uh, and I will bring that to you. Um, let's see who Pulev... Pulev last fought in the 9th of November 2019 against Rydell Brooker in Fresno, California. Um, don't know who Rydell Brooker is. I'd imagine you don't either. <laughs> but when you look at his win losses, oh my God, he lost to James Tony in 2004. So you think about who Rydell Brooker is. Rydell Brooker was 22 and 0 in 2004. He then lost to James Tony. He then didn't fight for 16 years. He then <laughs> beat Rodney Moore, beat Terrell Woods beat Dominic Jenkins, and then he's lost three of his last four fights. So that's the sort of person that Pulev beat, um, a guy that didn't fight for 16 years. Jesus, why didn't he fight for 16 years? Let's find out. Much later his professional career, well, out of jail. Oh, here we go. Shortly after his professional loss to James Tony, Brooker was convicted of possession of cocaine with intent to deliver over a 1,000 grams. He was sentenced to 12 to 30 years in prison after serving, a de- <laughs> after serving over a decade. Brooker was released and won three combat bouts uh, of six-round duration before losing a televised round bout by unanimous decision to undefeated heavyweight Jermaine Franklin in Atlantic City's Boardwalk Hall. So that answers your question. He, uh, or my question, should I say, he lost, uh, won a split decision to tip on Walker on the 18th of July, 2004. He then lost to James Tony on the 23rd of September, 2004. He then went to prison for 10 fucking years, <laughs> came back, um, had a couple of years of training and then went on his little thing. So that's Pulev's last opponent. Um, doesn't fill you with confidence uh, when he's fighting people like Rydell Brooker. No disrespect, Rydell. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. Let's see what happens. Uh, I predict uh, an Anthony Joshua victory, most likely by unanimous decision, possibly a late stoppage. Um but we'll have to see. The only other question that needs to be answered, really, I guess, with Anthony Joshua is how is his chin? Because he has been dropped by Klitschko. I think he was dropped. Was he dropped twice by Klitschko? Possibly. He was dropped by Klitschko. He was obviously dropped three times and finished by Andy Ruiz. Um, I believe also... And I'm, my memory's not great at this, so let me just have a quick look at his record. But I'm fairly certain when he fought the guy before Ruiz, which I'm fairly certain was, was Povetkin, I think he got, I don't think he got dropped, but he definitely got stunned in that fight. Um, or perhaps that was Joseph Parker, one of the two. It was either Parker or Povetkin. Um, and he had, he, had a, he had some tough moments in there. He had a couple of tough spots. Um, 
So that'll be interesting to see how his chin is. Obviously, if we look at Pulev's record, um, aside, aside from my mate Rydell, um, who is a total loss, um, unanimous decision, KO, unanimous decision, unanimous decision, split decision, KO, unanimous decision, KO. Um, <clears throat> so he hasn't really been knocking people out in his last 10 fights. He's got two knockouts. One, two... He's got three knockouts in his last 10 fights. That's not exactly something to be completely terrified about. But questions need to be answered about Joshua's chin and has he got what it takes um, to take a shot. So that'll be very, very interesting to see. So, yeah, we'll watch that at the weekend and I'll bring you that um, probably mixed in with a bit of UFC 256 and we will see how we go from there. So the next thing uh, I will bring to your door is I was going through uh, MMA fighting and just sort of looking at a couple of the articles, trying to catch up with a few bits. Um, and I came across this one by Damon Martin. Um, <laughs> bare knuckle fighting president feels sense of vindication after studies show bare knuckle fights have lower concussion rate than MMA or boxing. Now, I haven't read all of this article yet, but just looking at that headline, it's a little bit interesting. Obviously. Bare knuckle fighting has been around quite a long time, but the bare knuckle fighting championships hasn't. Um, it's been around for about two years, if that. Um, the other thing is, boxing is probably the worst because you're punching someone in the head or the body. Whereas MMA, you know, you could fight 10 fights in a row and get submitted in each of those fights and get punched in the head twice. So it's not, it's not that bad on paper. Obviously there are MMA fighters who get knocked out a lot. Junior Dos Santos comes to mind. Um, poor JDS. So I would also be interested to know if all they've done is take uh, data from bare knuckle championships over the last two years versus 20 years of MMA in the UFC and, a hundred years of boxing, um, and then claim that it's safer. Um, that would be that would be very interesting indeed. So, let's have a look. When bare knuckle fighting championships first launched in 2018, the newly formed promotion was already battling against perception that their version of combat sports was far too brutal, even when compared to MMA or boxing. The trouble with that is, is it looks it looks a lot worse. It's not as aesthetically uh, pleasing on the eye when there's cuts everywhere because obviously they're not using any gloves you get cut a lot easier it's just sort of knuckle on skin um and people people look a hell of a lot worse at the end of a bare knuckle fight than they do it at the end of an mma fight um of course bare knuckle uh fighting championships president david feldman had much uh had a much different ideal about bare knuckle fighting, but he also understood that it was going to be an uphill battle against the court of public opinion. Nearly three years later, BKFC embarks on their final card of 2020, the 15th numbered event in the promotion's history. Feldman now has statistics to back up his initial claims that bare knuckle fights were no more dangerous to an athlete's health than participating in other combat sports. Let's have a look. The results of the study performed over two and a half years, so here we go, only two and a half years and 131 fights was released at the annual conference of Association of Boxing Commissions as presented by... Dr. Don Muzzy. Hi, Dr. Don. With the research regarding injuries and concussions and sustained by athletes competing in bare-knuckle competition. A little stutter going on there. 
According to the findings, bare-knuckle fights produced a high rate of facial lacerations, there we go, but the concussion rate as well as the rate of broken hands or fractures were lower than both boxing and MMA. Well, that makes sense um, because there's going to be a lot more facial lacerations, as I just touched on, because they'll be punching with just their bare hands and their knuckles, uh, so there's no padding involved, um, and you get a lot cleaner cut. Um, there's also less broken hands because when you punch without anything on your hand, you have to punch properly and you have to kind of pull some of your punches and you have to be very careful about how you do it. Whereas if you punch with a 12 ounce glove on, you're not punching naturally. You're punching, um, obviously to land something that is not the shape of your hand. So you can get it caught. You can misjudge it. It can bend your hand back forward. Whereas when you punch with just your hand, um, it's probably a lot more accurate and there's a lot less things that can get involved to make it go tits up. Um, so the study showed that bare knuckle fighters who exhibited concussion-like symptoms when examined by a ringside physician was 1.5% compared to boxing with an estimated 6 to 12%. That's a big fucking estimation. Um, and MMA with a rate of 14.7%. That is interesting that MMA is the highest. But if he only did it over two and a half years, uh, I call fuckery on that. Um, the things I've always pitched is this. I never said BKFC is safer than boxing MMA. What I did say is it's no more dangerous. Feldman said about the study when speaking to MMA fighting, I've been saying this for 10 years, trying to get states to legalize me before I was pitching on the research I did and what we thought was going to happen. We now have statistics. We have two and a half years of research proving that our sport is no more dangerous than boxing MMA. Mm, yeah, I'm still not convinced by that. Thing is with this bare knuckle fighting it's not it's hard to explain i don't want to watch someone i don't want to watch one of those fights because it looks ugly like i don't mind seeing someone getting knocked out but in mma when there's like cuts all over the place and there's blood all over the the canvas i mean it's not it's not that bad but I, it doesn't happen all the time so when you see it, it's kind of like, oh, and then it's gone and you don't see it again for maybe another event or two. But with this bare knuckle fighting, you see it all the time. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of it, but every single clip that I've seen, someone's been busted wide open like they've just received a chair shot from The Rock in 1998. Um, so, yeah, bare knuckle fighting is not my favorite. And I don't think that it's dangerous or more dangerous than MMA or boxing. I wouldn't say that. What I do say is I don't want to watch it. Um, I think it looks, I think it looks ugly. I think it's messy. Um, it, if, yeah, I'd rather go down the local pub and watch, watch someone get into a fight there than watch bare knuckle fighting. But I guess it's somewhere else for fighters to go when they finish their careers or you know want more money or things like this. So I don't know how financially it works out. And you see like Artem go over there and they paid Paulie Malinagi and I don't know how much they paid those guys. I wonder if I can find out. I wonder if I can find out. Paulie Malinagi Knuckle FC pay. Let's see if they tell us. How much did Paulie Malinagi get paid? My hometown's defending channels, but that was against Adrian Broner. Um, bare knuckle six, PPV falls low estimate. Pauline Malinagi, Pauline Malinagi, bare knuckle pay. Here we go. Let's have a look and see what this says. 
uh, end of day my analogy versus finals. Hmm. Can't find it. Can't find it. But it'd be interesting to see exactly how much he was paid. Um, oh, here we go. Pauline Malinagi tells me in our interview that he'll be making more than the top-paying UFC 236 fighter, which is 350 grand plus for his bare-knuckle fight against Artem Lobov on June 22nd, which means he's probably not because you would lie, wouldn't you? Uh, so, yeah, I can't find out, but interesting. I don't know how financially that that system works at BKFC. Yeah, I'm just not that interested in seeing it. And I don't hear about their their events coming up. I don't hear about their fights. Um, they need probably need to do a little bit of a better job of um, advertising themselves. If someone like me who is into fights, watches fights, is on forums and things like that, and you know follows on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and all that sort of stuff, um, and I don't hear about it, then that's probably not my fault. But yeah, so BKFC, interesting. But as far as that, um, as far as that study goes, I'm not too sure. I believe a word of it, um, just because it was only done over two years. No sell from me. Okay. Well, the next little bit of news on here. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next little bit of news on here, uh, Judge moves forward with the UFC class action lawsuit, adding fighters from 2010 to 2017. Uh, this is an article by Stephen Maracco, uh, MMAfying.com. And I heard about this the other day, um, and I know that there was that first initial um, lawsuit that went in uh, with a couple of legends five or six years ago that kind of went all quiet around about the time they bought Strikeforce. But this one seems a little bit more severe um, as a judge has kind of said that, yes, we can move forward with this. So interesting. So what it says, after tipping his hand earlier this year, a federal judge on Thursday certified a group of UFC fighters as A-class. Moving forward, the ongoing class action lawsuit against the industry-leading MMA promotion and exposing its damages from a much larger pool of potential plaintiffs. During a Zoom conference on Thursday, U.S. D District Judge Richard Bulware uh, certified the bout class in the lawsuit, which potentially includes every fighter who competed in the octagon between December 2010 and June 2017. That's a lot. A group that estimated at approximately 12,000 fighters. That is a lot. He declined to certify the, identif uh, the identity class, which is defined by the plaintiffs as those whose image and licensing rights were exploited during that time. That's a lot of fancy words. Plaintiffs experts have estimated the potential monetary damages against the UFC to be in the range of 800 million to 1.6 billion. Good grief. Um, though a win for plaintiffs would award them treble damages, and it's unclear whether a range of re uh, the range reflects the absence of identity, identity of class. Eric Kramer, an attorney for several fighters in the lawsuit, told MMA Fighting, the bout class represents an estimated 95% of the damages sought against the UFC. Bullware opened the door to settlement talks that might arise as the result of a certification ruling, which he anticipated would trigger an appeal by either side. He added the order would be finalised on Monday. 
very, very interesting. Uh, the antitrust lawsuit initially was filed in 2014, here we go, by a handful of UFC veterans who accused the promotion of engaging in anti-competitive schemes to press fighters' earnings and impair rivals such as strike force. UFC attorney have argued in court that wage share, the metric used by plaintiffs to determine how much wages have been depressed, are not a proper measure and that overall wages have increased during the period of contention. Hmm. The thing about this, it's very, very difficult. When you're the UFC, and this is kind of my opinion on it, when you're the UFC and you run a privately traded company um, or a privately owned company that's not obviously publicly traded, um, it's up to you, obviously, how much money you earn. It's up to you how much money you pay people. They can say no. Like, it's not a problem. And then you can go and fight for Bellator. And I do understand that it's difficult because those, those might be the only two choices. But if you are a mid-carder in the UFC and you're ranked, say, you say you're ranked outside the top 15, I would hazard a guess that the UFC will pay you more than Bellator would pay you. Like... It's really, really difficult for me to feel sympathetic for the fighters here because you do have a choice as to whether or not you want to take said fight at said amount of money. Um, the thing I don't like is when they take the fight and they get paid 50 and 50 or 20 and 20 or whatever, wherever you sit in the in the pool or you're Conor McGregor and you get paid 5 million quid and then you look at how much the UFC earns and you get all upset. What's that got to do with anything? Like, you were happy with what you got until you saw what they had. And that, that, I, I saw this YouTube clip like oh, six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And it was a monkey, two monkeys in a cage. And one of the monkeys was being given celery and he loved it. He kept gobbling up this celery, another piece, another piece, kept putting his hand out, another piece. Then they gave the monkey next to him grapes. The second that monkey got a grape, the first monkey, when they tried to give him celery again, went mental and that's the difference like you were happy with what you had until you saw someone else had better or saw that the person paying you had loads of money and i struggle to see the fighter's side on this um i'm just i'm just a little bit against it you know, the UFC has put a platform for all of those people to make a hell of a lot of money. And they've put a platform for people to earn hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. And without the UFC, that platform wouldn't exist. Without the UFC, Bellator wouldn't exist. Yeah, we might have got to this point and there'll be something similar, but the UFC were first and they paved the way for all these other organizations and all of these fighters. And I don't like how now they're being sued by their own by their own talent but i suppose the other side to this is no matter how big you get you'll you'll never not have people come after you you know every single company on this planet that's got big every single person that's made lots of money they've all had to go through things like this um and look i might be completely wrong in what i'm saying uh and i might be out of line and it might not be what people want to hear but for me um, I'm kind of team UFC on this one, not team talent. But that's very interesting that a judge has said that obviously it could proceed. So we will see. Um, we'll see how that looks moving forward. But yeah, food for thought, a very, very interesting one there.
Okay, so the last piece that I'll bring you. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson has just signed for Bellator. I say just signed. He signed on Wednesday morning, apparently, um, into the light heavyweight division, which is no surprise. I know when he left the UFC, there was talk of him going to heavyweight um, before, obviously, he eventually stepped away. But, yeah, an interesting one. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson signs for Bellator. Now... I kind of wanted to see him back in the UFC, and I know he walked away in 2017 after his submission loss at UFC 210 to Daniel Cormier, but there was talk of him going to work for a football team or something, and then you saw him and he looked stacked, and we thought he was coming back as he- to the heavyweight division. And yeah, no, he signed for he signed for Bellator. So a couple of things on this. Maybe perhaps he thought that he would go back to the UFC and maybe they didn't want him. Uh, Maybe he thought he would go to Bellator because it's slightly easier. Um, Maybe that's unfair. Uh, He might have a slightly easier run, potentially. Um, And maybe he can make another run at the belt. Maybe they offered him more money. Maybe the UFC weren't even interested. I don't know. But interesting. But what they didn't do is they didn't sign Yoel Romero, who obviously got cut by the UFC recently. Um, That's interesting for me. Why would they sign Joshua? Joshua? Why would they sign Anthony Johnson and they wouldn't sign Yoel Romero? Um, I don't know how, how old is Rumble. I think he's 30, 35, something like that. 36, he's 36. Anthony Johnson's 36. So I suppose Romero's 41. So maybe that's the answer to my question. Um, I might have signed them both and made them fight. Um, so, yes, it'll be interesting. But if you look at Anthony Rumble Johnson's UFC record, he actually only fought eight times in the UFC, which for some reason I thought it was a lot more than that. He had a unanimous decision uh, victory. Oh, no, hang on a minute. That's why it feels like more. He got cut, didn't he? He got cut. So he fought 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He got fought 11 times in the UFC. Then he got cut after his uh, submission loss to Vitor Belfort at UFC 142 in 2012. He then went off to Titan Fighting Championships, World Series of Fighting and then came back to the UFC as a light heavyweight. Now, that I think was the turning point because when he got cut, he was he was fighting at welterweight forever and kept missing weight. He fought Dan Hardy for fuck's sake. Um, then he fought at middleweight and missed some weight. And then he came back to the UFC after his um, sort of light heavyweight run over at World Series of Fighting uh, and Titan and then went back to... Fight at light heavyweight, where he beat Phil Davis, uh, knocked out Antonio Nogueira, um, TKO'd Alexander Gustafsson, which actually I was at that fight. It was at uh, it was in Stockholm in a gigantic football stadium. I think it was a football stadium. It might have been a hockey stadium, those Nordics. Um, that was a good fight. I was sitting about two rows from the front somehow. Um, but the, fu- the punch that dropped him actually looked like a headbutt. Uh, And that was kind of shrouded in controversy. We never really figured out what happened. But he then fought Daniel Cormier for the belt and lost submission at rear naked choke in round three. Uh, He then knocked out Jimmy Manua, knocked out Ryan Bader, knocked out Glover Teixeira, went on a real tear, then got DC again uh, and got submitted in the second round by rear naked choke. And that was the end of his UFC career. Um, And that was in 2017, April. So that was three years ago. 
coming up to four. So three and a half years ago, that was. So, yeah, Bellator have signed Anthony Rumble Johnson. No word on when he will fight or how long he needs to prepare or anything like that. But very, very interesting um, that we're now going to see Anthony Rumble Johnson uh, in Bellator. Hmm. I think Bellator need to be careful when they're sort of picking out um, UFC. I don't want to say throwbacks, but that's what they did for a long time. You know, they had Chuck Liddell fight. Uh, they had Tito fight. They had obviously Chael there. They had Hoist Gracie fight. You know, they did some silly things. Then they sort of came away from the silly things with the Shamrocks and Kimbos and things like that. And they kind of made it like older legends that were still relatively good, like your Chales, your Rampages, and your Vandalay Silvers and things like that. And now I think they're coming further away from that, but they have picked up Rumble. I suppose he's only 35. Maybe that's why they said no to Yoel Romero, but I suppose it remains to be seen. But yeah, Rumble, uh, Rumble's back. That'll be interesting to see uh, who his first opponent is and if he can still knock people out. Let's find out. Yeah, so a couple of things to think about there. A few little bits and pieces just picked up on. Um, I will be back on Monday with UFC 256 uh, and very, very possibly a little bit of AEW on Saturday, depending on how much uh, I can be bothered and how much I can sit through. Other than that, have a fantastic weekend and I will speak to you all soon.